Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and with the January 6th Investigatory Committee starting its public hearings this week, I was invited onto the radio show hosted by legendary West Virginia radio host Howard Monroe to talk about what to expect in these hearings, what realistic outcomes would be, and whether ultimately Donald Trump will be charged with anything. Here's Howard Monroe. Matt Robeson. Is with us from time to time. He uh, used to be a campaign consultant, a congressional staff member. He is a talk show host, a writer of uh, a number of pieces in a number of different places online, uh, a blogger and a podcaster. And uh, we have him here to talk about some of these political issues. I want to talk about January 6th. Matt, first of all, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks thanks for being here again today. Always a pleasure. Before I get to uh, January 6th, there's there's a little tidbit over the weekend that, I just had it here on my desk. We got to talk about it for a second. Louis Gomert from Texas. Did you see the comment he made? I didn't. Well, he was upset about uh, Peter Navarro, the former White House advisor, being indicted for contempt of Congress because he didn't uh, respond to a subpoena. And here is what he said, and I'm quoting. I had the clip, but I'm not going to play the clip. He said, "If you're a Republican." You can't even lie to Congress or lie to an FBI agent or they're going to come and get you. Oh, that's spectacular. Wow. Well, that, it, congratulations. <laughs> you, Howard Monroe, as we record this at 9.20 a.m. on Monday morning, June 6th, have identified the most revealing and maybe also the stupidest quote in the history of American politics. I, a, a big virtual round of applause to you. That's, that's spectacular. It is saying the quiet part out loud. If you're a Republican, you can't even lie to Congress or lie to an FBI agent. They're going to come after you. Well, sir, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You know, I'd like to comment on that because I know you invite me onto this show to offer commentary and analysis. There's nothing I can add to that that it doesn't say on its own. It's, It's (laughs) <laughs> I, um, if your flabbers aren't gasted right now hearing that, I don't know what I can do to help you. Um, wow. Uh, remarkable. Yeah, but apparently, uh, the, the of course, implication of that is that, well, of course we lie to Congress and the FBI, and you're going to hold us accountable for that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, you know, Louie, they're, um, they're crimes. Are we going to hear any crimes unveiled on Thursday at the public hearing for the January 6th commission, do you think? It's not a commission. The January 6th committee meetings? I don't think so. I don't think so. The goal the goal on Thursday, as I understand it based on, on reporting and what's been released, is to start to lay out the big picture. And then subsequent hearings are going to go into certain topics or themes. But I think the purpose of the public hearings is much more to lay out a story and to try to make this story succinct. This is incredibly hard. This is so hard to do. If you listen to, for example, former Virginia Representative Denver Riggleman, who was a, a, he's a Republican and he was a top advisor to the January 6th committee. When he appeared on the Sunday shows, he said, well, if you look at the totality of the evidence that at some point President Trump knew what was going on, you have meetings in the White House, you have this incredibly intricate 
set of events, actors. Over the weekend, uh, Woodward and Bernstein from Watergate published a retrospective, their analysis on their experience of, of the Watergate investigation and a comparison to the January 6th investigation. And it was a reminder that they wrote for two years. They investigated mm-hmm. for two years. And it was such an incredibly intricate story to tell. So, no, I don't think the purpose of this Thursday or the subsequent hearings is going to be to have a giant reveal like in the movie 12 Angry Men where suddenly Henry Fonda throws the switchblade knife down on the table. Boy, I'm dating myself with that reference. But I, I think it's rather to try to as clearly as possible make the case that something really terrible happened and anyone associated with it has to be banned from public life forever. If, I'll make one more movie reference for you. I'm also going to date myself. If you remember the movie Turk 182, the political scandal in there was characterized as Zimmerman flew and Tyler knew. The OJ trial, what was the line there? If the gloves don't fit, then you must acquit. I think the goal for Democrats, and I don't have it here, I don't have a line, but to find a way in 10 words or less, I don't know, Trump attacked and he must be sacked, something, to to make clear to the American people that Trump and everyone involved with him needs to be banned forever. You know, I, I didn't see the uh, piece. In fact, I just made a note. I'm going to go back and look now. I assume it's in WAPO, the uh, Woodward and Bernstein piece. But that's a that's a great analogy. A lot of Americans understand Watergate from having watched the movie All the President's Men with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. And in the movie, because they walk through it, you get a pretty good understanding of how all the pieces fit into place, even though you realize it took them bit by bit, story by story, to put it together. But at the end of it, when you watch the movie, you you understand what's going on. It's a really good point you make. There's a lot of information already coming out from this commission, a committee. I keep saying commission. I'm wrong. From this committee. Uh, there is already a lot of public information that we have, uh, not even from the committee, but just public information we have. And yet, it is hard to sort of put it together in a cohesive whole. And I guess that is what the, the, the hearings are going to have to try and do, is take all of these disparate pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and make it look like a picture. I guess that's a, that's a good point. Well, look, can I can I go very, very slightly, very slightly off topic for just a second? I you you've kind of hit on one of my personal bugaboos, hobby horses. I don't know. There's, there's a metaphor for it. It bothers me. I, I've been looking at this for a long time. It bothers me how much money we spent fourteen billion dollars in the 2020 election. About half of it, a little more than half of it, about $8 billion, was spent on television advertising. And there is a lot of evidence that on the margin, it doesn't do much. It doesn't work, uh, especially at the presidential level, where people are imbibing. I mean, look, Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump three to one during the critical post-Labor Day period. So did Joe Biden. Hillary Clinton lost. Joe Biden won by a hair's breadth. I don't think you're getting bang for your buck anymore because the story has been so baked in for so many people. If I would much rather, I would much, much rather 
Take $100 million, and instead of dumping it onto more TV ads, make a really good Hollywood movie. Do we have no Democratic Hollywood directors in our party? I think we have a couple. Why on earth aren't we producing something from the experts in the universe on how to convey a lot of information in a really captivating way in a short time that people will actually watch? That is a sidebar. But yes, yes. Well, if that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's a good point, and that's not what I was thinking when I brought up the All the President's Men, but it, it makes the point. Until that movie, until the movie came out, I think a lot of people kind of, sort of knew, you know, Nixon's a crook and things went wrong and there was a, but it wasn't until the movie came out and set some parameters that we could live within, you know, we could watch it in an hour and a half or whatever it was and we get it. So I, that's a good point. A, a well-done movie that actually is entertaining and yet interesting and factual may be a smarter move than spending all those uh, 30-second TV ads saying, my opponent smells like horse manure. I mean, <laughs> you, might, well, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I have I have a lot of problems with this, and my my friends and former colleagues who are still in the campaign management and campaign consulting game will probably disagree with me on this. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, it, it it does bother me. We need to find new ways to present compelling stories to people, which is what campaigns are supposed to do. And in this case, look, I read this stuff all the time. I'm, I mean, your listeners, I know, are in the top one percentile of intelligent, tuned-in people. So are mine on the Beyond Politics podcast. We have great listeners. But I would wager that even our listeners probably are not following all this stuff, right? How many people have been uh, indicted by the Justice Department for involvement in January 6th? The number is 874. But I'm not going to lie. I had to look that up, right? I can't keep track of all of the Peter Navarro's been indicted, but Doug Scaviano hasn't, and, you know, what happened in what text message, and there's a seven and a half hour gap. This stuff is so complicated. So, no, going back to the hearing, I mean, I do think the, the very first question you asked brings up also a really important aspect of this, which is Democrats should be clear, at least in our hearts, <laughs> about what the goals are here. And I would argue that what what you want and what I want more than anything, I would pay a, a, a really large sum of money to see Donald Trump indicted and behind bars. Oh, wouldn't that be great? But it's time but for it Democrats. But, but Matt, that's not gonna, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. We're not going to catch that white whale or orange whale or whatever. We're, it's not going to happen. Seditious conspiracy is extraordinarily hard to prove. Obstruction of justice, obstruction of Congress are extremely hard to prove, despite the fact that a federal judge found back in March that, in his words, more likely than not that Trump committed crimes in the course of his attempt to stop the 2020 election from being certified. This, this is something that is so hard to prove. Robert Mueller, after two years of investigation, couldn't produce a case for obstruction. He said there probably was one, but he couldn't produce an airtight case that was prosecutable for obstruction. There's not going to be one here either. So that is not and cannot be the goal and the outcome here. 
what I think Democrats need to focus on, rather, in these hearings is two really important things. One is we know from exceptional reporting from great outlets like The Atlantic and Washington Post that the attempt to have the next coup is underway. It's happening right now. So we may literally be able to get some people disbarred or behind bars who are already active in planning the next attempt. You may deter people from trying the crazy stuff like creating slates of fake electors in states. So you may be able to head off the end of American democracy in 2024 through these hearings, through this effort. That's a worthwhile goal. And you may be able to influence the midterms. That's another worthwhile goal. Uh, do the Democrats, well, not even, let me not even say the Democrats. Does the January 6th committee run a risk by focusing too much on Donald Trump and not enough on the, the attendant issues to the insurrection? There is a risk there because so many people have made up their mind on Trump. And, and it's so easy for Democrats to get themselves into the mindset of, if we don't get Trump in these hearings, then it's a failure. What happened with the Mueller investigation? It produced an absolute mountain of evidence of obstruction of justice and an absolute mountain of evidence that his call with, I can't believe this, Zelensky, uh, was incredibly corrupt. It was, it was certainly very impeachable. But what you find, what you find in, in, at the end of that is that he was able to turn it into a meme, the whole Russia investigation. No obstruction, no collusion. Collusion isn't even a crime, right? Witch hunt. Collusion isn't a defined crime. Conspiracy is a crime. No. Mueller wasn't able to find a prosecutable case of conspiracy that elements of the Trump campaign actively conspired with Russia. They certainly, they certainly did collude with them, but that's not a legal term. And so even in losing, in even what was an incredibly damaging report, it was spinnable. Democrats could fall into that trap with these January 6th hearings if they allow themselves to define the goal line as we have to be able to prosecute Trump at the end of this. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I mean, my my great vision of life is to see Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit. How would that – how would you know when it mixes with his face? Well, anyway, uh, in an orange jumpsuit behind bars, I mean, that's – but it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen, not now, probably not ever, no matter what evidence is out there. The problem I worry about is by focusing so much on Trump, they are adding to the belief that it's a witch hunt against him when I think the focus needs to be more on the protection of democracy. Um, would I like to see Trump uh, indicted? Uh, yes. Would I like to see some evidence that absolutely shows that he is was was? I don't think we're ever going to find a, a smoking gun that says he he said. Although we've seen some close though uh, that he said, you know, go get him, go to the Capitol and get him. So the more we focus on, the more they focus on Trump, the more it leads to an easier belief that it's a witch hunt. 
let's let's look at uh, defending democracy and not so much attacking Trump. I think might see more success. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Matt. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Look. Again, I can't underscore enough how hard this is. Just a moment ago, just a moment ago, again, I, I, in talking about this, I, I, and I follow this very closely, even I began to bring in multiple Trump scandals into the same sentence because I made a reference to Zelensky when I was talking about Russia, right? Because it all begins to blend together in our minds, all of the massive crimes, and, and, and people, have, people have let that wash over them. So, yes, I, I do think at the very outset, Democrats need to be very clear. I, it, it's actually Trump's goal to make it seem like a partisan witch hunt. Democrats need to be very clear that this is forward looking. Yes, we're looking backwards, but this has to be about ensuring that this kind of thing never happens again. Literally, as we were talking, I received a text message from Actually, a Republican friend of mine who is excerpting a a, a piece that ran this morning that says that Jamie Raskin, Congressman Jamie Raskin, who, by the way, is going to appear on Beyond Politics after these hearings are done. So um, come subscribe now to Beyond Politics if you want to catch that. Um, We'll see if we can get him to make some news. But he said that one of the ideas he's going to introduce is maybe one of the fixes here is we need to get rid of the Electoral College. We need to amend the Constitution because that is really the source of a lot of the skullduggery that we saw around January 6th. We know that that's true from the Eastman memo. So that's, to me, kind of the right note here, is to think about how do we head off the next insurrection at the pass. The basic question I have, and we've talked about the fact there's a lot of information out there. They're going to somehow pull it together, give it a storyline, if you will. We've talked about whether or not too much focus is being on Trump. But I think maybe a bigger question is, does the public really care? That's an excellent question. I don't know. One story that jumps to mind is polling. And I've I've looked into finding, it's very hard to find polls from 1998, 1999. Turns out that those were the sort of the dark era of the internet. But at the time, polling on how highly Americans rated campaign finance reform as an issue showed that it was uh, down in the 20s, right? Like 25th most important topic to Americans. By the time John McCain had completed his 2000 presidential campaign and lost it in the primary, Americans rated that issue third, especially among Republicans. So I think the question is, do Americans care? That's part of it. The the other part of it is, can Americans be made to care? I think the onus is on the committee to tell in their story, to explain why Americans should care. The last set of public hearings that this committee did featured the police officers who were literally in the line of fire, who were injured, who bear deep psychological scars. From that day, and I've forgotten about that. That's right. Yeah, I, I I think that those hearings did go a long way. I don't have great evidence to prove it from polling, but I do think that those hearings did reset the coverage and the narrative. The idea that I mean, you you it was it was common at the time for Republicans to say things like it was a normal tourist visit, 
right? It wasn't even that violent. And you didn't hear that much of that kind of thing anymore after that. And so I don't know the ultimate answer to your question about how much Americans will care. But I do think there's an opportunity to explain that this is something worth caring about. And, you know, I, if, if they can make the story succinct and clear and emotional and not just a whole bunch of paperwork thrown in people's faces, look, you and I believe that, that people should care. And there, there, is, there is a real story to tell here. I'm old enough to remember watching the Watergate hearings, though. And to a large extent, the whole country turned in. Now, there were a couple of reasons for that. Number one, we had never seen these congressional hearings much on television before, so it was a novelty. Uh, but number two, I think the general public, whatever that means, the general public, the general public had kind of gotten little bits and pieces of this Watergate story and were ready for it to somehow be put together in a way that made some sense to them. So a lot of people watched the Watergate hearings. I'm just concerned that those circumstances are no longer the same, and I don't know what else is on on Thursday night, but I'm concerned that we'll be watching, I don't know, reruns of Dragnet or whatever instead of uh, instead of paying attention to this, because I just don't know. Here's the problem, Matt, which I think you've alluded to. The people who care, care, and those who don't, don't. And I, I guess your point is somehow this committee has got to make the don'ts care. That's that's, I guess maybe that's their job, is to make the don'ts care. Matt, what do you think, only a minute or two here left, so I want to get this in quickly. What should we be watching for? If we're watching the hearings on Thursday uh, and, uh, and moving forward, what should we be looking for? What kind of clues or cues should we anticipate seeing? What, uh, what, what, do, we, what do we want to keep an eye on? Personally, I'm looking for the Ginny Thomas in all this. Obviously, there was a lot of coverage. Uh, of her text messages to Mark Meadows, then the White House Chief of Staff, advocating for, and I, you might say ringleading, the attempt to overturn the election. There is, this is incredibly important. To me, this is just one piece of a much larger and longer thread of activity that finds its way inside the Supreme Court. And we are now on the cusp of the Supreme Court overturning the right to abortion, ruling on gun rights. The, the, the biggest issues that are before America right now, the most explosive issues, are, are coming before the court. And there has been a long-running attempt to influence the direction of and determine the membership of the court and to engineer the outcomes that we're about to see. At the center of that effort sits Ginny Thomas. And so the idea that the, the corruption of our government, the overturning of our government, is located within a, a household of one of the members of the highest court in the country, to me that's an incredibly important and undercovered story in all of this. The only other thing I'll say is that I, I do think that what you should keep an eye out for is how is the committee looking to focus? There's so much they could talk about. The challenge for them is going to be to do less. Less focus. is definitely yeah, going to be exactly more. Right. And so what are those key elements that they're going to try and impart? What is their slogan? What is the, the message that they're going to try and get across? That's what I'm very anxious to figure out.
Well, Matt, we'll find out on Thursday what they're going to do, and then maybe next week sometime we can talk about what they did do and kind of do a little retrospective of it. I appreciate your time this morning, as always. People can check out the Great Ideas podcast uh, if they would like, Beyond Politics podcast. Um, you do a lot of writing. People can look for you on uh, uh, Alternet. What are some of the things, the uh, Newsweek you write for occasionally? What are some other places you write? Uh, yeah, Newsweek, Alternet, a great uh, a great publication called the Editorial Board, yes, uh, Raw Story. Yes. So, uh Yes, I uh, just just Google. All right, we'll look for it, Matt. Appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, my friend. Take care, Howard. That's it, and thanks again for joining us on Beyond Politics on WKXL. And we hope that you have subscribed to the Beyond Politics podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, please leave us a rating and a review, especially a five star rating. It really does help us out.